Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Okay, let's try to start. Um, okay, um, so welcome to Verbal Art again with Senior Ram. I am here in Copenhagen. Um, we're just testing the sound a little bit because I bought my own recorder. Yay! So now I don't have to borrow from the school anymore. But it also means this is the first episode that I record with this new it's a Tascam uh, DR40X I think it's called DRX40 something like this uh, I'm here with Frau Amma Hi Hi Frau Amma Hi. Uh, So yeah okay this is a few days after New Year's it's the end of the holidays uh, we have all been resting but my brain is a little bit tired so bear with us we are in Frau Amma's workspace we call it the dungeon <laughs> um yeah Fama is an old acquaintance of mine that i haven't seen in many years but then uh yeah we ran into each other during a party this holiday and katrina said come to my place and hang out after and so we did and now we are lucky enough to catch the podcast episode before the holidays are over yeah. Uh, so, where are we? Can you explain where we are? We are in what we call, what I call the dungeon, the deco dungeon. <laughs> right now when I'm working, I'm working with the, another girl called Ida. You don't have to speak loud, it's okay, it can catch it. And... And together we call ourselves the Deco Darlings. Okay. And we named this place the Deco Dungeon, where the Deco Darlings hang out. And what is, what is it you do? We do, I do, decoration for parties and events. And I recently started working with trade marketing, which is like when you do something, for example, when... Red Bull or whomever it could be would be hosting a party and they will be kind of be the host because they are the sponsor of the party. Then I work with them with building decoration where I incorporate the brand, therefore trade marketing. Mm -hmm. Which is which is kind of interesting because my background is in mostly in underground parties are more like extravagant parties but I think that this is just maybe extravagant in another way and the interesting part about it is that I can actually live of it. Wow yes how long have you been doing this? Living from it or doing it? And just like decorating at parties I mean since I 15 years yeah all the time I've known you you've yeah. been doing this yes I started in 2010 so not 15 13 years mm. yeah Else. You started in 2010, that's when I got to know you, so like when I met you it was one of the first parties you did? It was the first. It was the first party you did? It was what? the first. It was really good. It was the New Year's <laughs> party at Coma Club. Yeah. My debut. Oh, yes. I had no idea it was your first gig. That's funny. Yes. Yeah, that was the dress-up party. Coma Club is this like old rave concept in Copenhagen that took a break for a while but then came back. And it has always been a lot about the dress-up. Yes. So, 
Yeah, I was wearing a wedding dress when I met Farmer the first time. Yes. Funny. And so, but now you have gone more corporate, so you can actually live and only do this. Yes. Four months ago, I, I decided to quit my job as a visual merchandiser in retail because I was so busy that I was almost working two jobs. Mm -hmm. So full-time there and almost full-time and then I was like, okay, it's never, never. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to quit. And so far, I'm living <laughs> of it. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let's just uh, bring the listeners into where we are now. Because so we are in, in Amma. Yes. Okay, so Amma is this part of Copenhagen. It's the southeastern island part of Copenhagen. Uh, it's It has a lot of like stereotypical character, this island somehow. But you've named yourself after this place. Yes, which... Which is kind of like also a funny story because it was never really meant to stick like that, but it just really sticked. People just really liked it. Are oh, you I from don't know. Amma? No, I'm from Jutland. Yeah, but you just loved Amma so much. You moved here and you're like, I'm gonna claim this island. <laughs> <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, it was because when I did my bachelor in fashion design. I was chosen to be in this design contest called Designer's Nest, which is kind of like really fancy and everybody really wants to bring their project there, but I didn't really want to bring my project there. So it's like, when they chose me, so I'm gonna, my models is gonna walk out on this really, on this really boring location and this really boring setup. And then there's gonna be written Katrine Andersen. <laughs> on the screen <laughs> and you know being in my 20s and trying to imagine the stuff that I made and then teamed up with my my birth name I was like, which this is a very Danish name yeah, very Danish Katrina is a very common very Danish name it's like this, this, this is not going to work for me <laughs> and um, a, two years before my husband uh, asked me to marry him, him and I said yes and we decided to do the marriage when I was done with my uh, education so I was kind of like standing with one leg in my in my wedding and one leg in that competition and I was like oh my god I'm, I'm gonna become I'm gonna become someone's wife pretty soon <laughs> and I'm just living in this island and now I'm in this in this island which no one thinks is fancy but I really love <laughs> And then it was just kind of like to make a joke of, on everything, like for Amma. Yeah, so for Amma in, in Danish means like Mrs. Amma. So, yeah, you literally took the name of the island and you married the island even before you married your husband. Yeah. Yes. And it really gave me the guts to be in that, you know, that competition and be like, I'm here for what I am and for what I do and, you know, I don't care if you like it or not. <laughs> And it worked because Amma, okay, so this island, when people stereotypically think of this island we are in now, well, all of Denmark is islands, but still, this is like, we call it the shit island. Yes. That That is the Danish nickname of this place. It's the shit island. And, and when people think about Amma, they think about 
that this is the only place in town where there is still like uh, tanning salons. And there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of them. So there is like very... And velvet pants is still pretty fancy out here. <laughs> and there are a lot of very ripped guys with like triple tattoos and fast cars and... Yeah, so this is kind of the place where it's also a massive residential area, obviously. But it's a bit like this part of town that never became hip. Even though it's right here. Like it's, it's But it's but it has it has started out here because there's been so much so much, you know, developing with the city and yeah, yeah, so no. many new, really expensive apartments. Oh, for sure! Like a lot of the new Copenhagen is like built out here. But yeah, so this is why for the whole Fuama moniker is particular somehow. It's because Ama is a particular place, and if you claim this island and you say like I fucking love Ama, it's like you have related to this place. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, but, and then more locally now, we are in a basement. So, um, Fama is so lucky to have a studio workspace in the same housing complex where she lives. So, we are now in this basement in Ama. Uh, and can you help explain how it looks in here to the listeners? How it looks. Just like take them on a visual tour. Mm. Okay. It's like, it's in the basement, but it's a high basement. So there are windows. So during the day, there is actually daylight in here. But, but right now it's evening. It's evening and it's dark. So, but we have very bright LED uh, strip chains like hanging around the ceiling. Yes. And all the pipes from the building is crossing the room from where you're coming in. So they're kind of running through the room and helping the room to stay warm, which is nice. Mm. We got what is in the rest of this basement? It's like storage spaces for people? Yeah, small storage sp uh, spaces for people. And then there's a drying room in there for when you're mm -hmm. washing. Like the boiler rooms and stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then you have this funny little room. Yes, which is like, it's from back in the old days where people had like small, actually small spaces like this where people could go down and repair stuff. The building is like 100 years old. Last year it turned 100. Mm -hmm. So like I think 30, 40 years ago it was pretty common to have like a little place where you could go down and fix your chair and... Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure, bike repair rooms and stuff. Yes, you can actually see that there's the those one hanging down. So I think they have been for someone who has been repairing bikes down here. Uh -huh. Don't you think so? Yeah, maybe. Hooks. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But now it's full of a lot of quirky items. So, yes. uh, you collect a lot of things, no? Yes. Like in Not just like for your work, but also privately. You are like a... You're a I'm a hoarder. You're a chutsky. Person. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, I hoard, and I hoard a lot of things. <laughs> but it also comes to use in your work, right? Like when doing yes. decorations and stuff, you need items and, and things, or you need to be inspired by things. So then hoarding your visual like surroundings can also be work related. Yeah, I think that um, most of the, most of the work that I'm doing or what I get like really inspired 
from is working with what I have, mm. not necessarily going out to buy like if I if I need to paint something, then I have like a whole drawer over there full of paint, and then instead of going out buying new paint, then that's the part of the process to use some of the paint that I have. So maybe the palette is green, but I don't have any green. Then I need to find some other color that's matching the color palette. So using some of the stuff that I have. So I always keep the leftovers and turn it into like new things, maybe mixing two colors together and... Hmm. Yeah, you have pretty good structure here in the shelf system with like different boxes labeled like flowers and mirror and tape, empty bags, uh, cable ties and hooks and yes. electronics, silicone stuff, painting stuff. So, I mean, but I think that goes for a lot of People in their work studios know they, of course, we don't toss stuff and buy new all the time. That's not exactly. how we function. <laughs> and that is why I organize it like that. Because if I just put it out of sight and don't, you know, put all these little tape stickers with names on. Because when it's out of sight, it's out of mind for me. Then I can't remember that I have it until mm. when I open like, oh my God, I have all this really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm just about to sort all my electronics and accumulated machines and devices and components. And wow, it's going to be a massive shelf system. I bought a lot of boxes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what else do we have here? So We have a lot of my old Barbie from when I was a kid. Oh, your own old Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And it's in here some big plastic box storage boxes why do you save all this old barbie now is it for your children or no 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 it's no. mine <laughs> it's only for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah they play with it but they're not really into barbie mm -hmm. so uh, the plan is that i'm gonna do build some decoration with it mm -hmm. there's a ferry and there's some houses and a car and a motorbike. There's some really cool stuff. And it's all from that generation of Barbie where Barbie was really like pale pink. I once had the house in three stories. And you could you could either like, uh, you could demolish it so that it was like just a big, like a one story house with yes. like several parts. Or you could gather it so that it was like a tall house in three stories. But I had the fucking Barbie house. Wow. But I'm gonna build that into lamps. Into lamps? You're gonna build lamps from the Barbies? Yeah. Okay. And nice. do some kind of decoration thing with it. Yeah, cool. I don't know where to put it up yet or for what, but. But you know you want to make it. Yeah. yeah. And right here at the work table we're sitting at, so there are a few screwdrivers and glue guns, I think, and uh, stuff like this, some pens and scissors, a fork, whatever. And then. Uh, a big box of uh, plastic beads that, yes. uh, that looks like pearls. It is pearls. Yeah, but like real fake pearls, right? Yes, real fake pearls. Yeah, yeah. And that is just, you know, that just what we talked about. I've been hoarding these <laughs> pearls, but they're kind of like... I, mean, I think there's even a little bit here on the floor, one piece, if you want to... Yes, there's a lot of them. So that's kind of like... Like real fake pearls and then there's like clear holographic ones and some like like they look like a christmas ornament yes but they're not and there's some silver ones and 
There's some go some gold ones. Oh, the disco ball chain is good. And there's yes. Nice. And I have been oh, and there's some blue ones. And <laughs> yes, that's a lot. And I have one more box. And this is there's three liters of pearls here. Three liters of pearls. Yep. That's nice. Nice estimates. And everyone who is like being creative know that when you're doing something with pearls, it's always awful expensive because pearls are just expensive. Even the plastic ones. Even the plastic yeah. ones. So that's why it's so great to collect a lot of people's trash. Mm -hmm. And then... Where do you go to, uh, to to find all this trash? In containers. Yeah, like in like backyards of, uh, of like trash sorting or... There's... In this area where I'm living, where we are sitting in the basement right now, there is like when the when the buildings are kind of like when the people who live there is cleaning out, they're renting containers and then they're just filling it up with their old stuff. And what is happening a lot is when, because the buildings are so old, some people die here. Mm. And then there's no one to claim the stuff in the department, in the, in the apartment. So it just gets thrown out and there sometimes is a lot of good stuff. All the furniture down here is actually something that I took out of the trash. I didn't bought anything. Mm. Yes. These tables, these chairs with diamonds even. That is so Amma. <laughs> this is so Amma. That is Amma. so Amma. Okay, well, sitting on an office chair that has been looked at like, it looks like a classy Barbie office chair. It's black and it has this like a Chesterfield style, like a, it's fake leather and it has this pattern and then it has diamond buttons in the Chesterfield pattern. <laughs> It's very myself. It's very Ava. <laughs> yes. Um and um then you put this dog in front of me. There is this uh how do we describe it? It's a day plastic, of the death. It's a day of the death plastic skeleton uh flower dog. Yes, that you placed in front of me before and you told me that it was from uh from the Halloween party this year? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, maybe explain again, like, what, what was that job? It is it is a cocktail bar in the heart of Copenhagen, in the city, where I have been, I think, for five years, I've been doing the Halloween party. So it's the only party I'm doing for them pretty much, besides a few other small things. But it's the main thing doing the whole year, that's the Halloween party. And this year they decided to scale it up. So they booked me to kind of like design a whole concept for them and come and put it up. And they wanted it to be Day of the Death. So we made this whole really with... So Day of the Death is basically classically decorated with skeletos and you know these they make these kind of elders with the people they lost yeah, and the flowers and, stuff, and mm -hmm. stuff like that because it's all about making the death come come alive for this one day so for that we cre we created me and my partner Ida created like a married couple and the in a threesome with another girl and with the dogs and the birds. So, so that, what do you mean when you say this? Like you created a married couple? 
It was we bought skeletos like straight up uh, full size skeletos, like plastic or yeah, what? plastic. Okay. And a, two plastic dogs and a plastic bird. So like decorative skeletons for Halloween, like these yeah, kind of yeah, yeah but exactly. full size. Yeah, yeah. And also the dogs are. I think they're pretty much full size as yeah, well. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's a small. What are they called? These sausage dogs. I can't remember. It's what. called Grauhun in Danish. Yeah, but in English I don't remember. <laughs> But in any case, yeah, I think it's more or less life-size. And then you have painted them. Yes, then we have spray-painted them on the base. This one is fluorescent blue on the base. Mm. And then it has been decorated on top with the uh, poskas. Yeah, also like in paint, paint pens. Yes, in orange and green and pink with this like classical... Day in the de- day of the death it kind has of like a flower motifs and colorful teeth and you have glued plastic flowers into its eyes. So yes. Um, okay, and so then for this bar, you create this whole little setup with uh, three life-size skeletons and dogs for all of them, and it's all very colorful and and quirky, and you just. Put it somewhere inside the bar, and that's it. Or do you do like? No, then we decorate the rest of the okay. of the bar. We were really lucky. Just like I think a month and a half before the project, I jumped into a container and I found this like three sports bags filled with like from. Persisk, what is it? Yeah, Persian. Persian cloth and fabrics, just you know, like totally decorated in like glitter, colorful rhinestones all over the place, and it's just been thrown out. And it was like, oh my god, that's gonna be perfect. There was like a wedding dress, there were like the craziest things, so it was perfect to dress up the skeletos. And then we decorated the bar with the fabric, and then we painted it's like in this nightclub there's mirrors all the way around okay so the nightclub is kind of reflect reflecting itself on both sides so we painted with um with posca pens on the mirrors mm-hmm. um sugar skulls and flowers to kind of like found and you know do a background for the skeletos and stuff to make like a little world out of it mm-hmm. yeah nice and so in all of this, uh, like them ordering a day of the dead and you guys taking the job, no one is questioning the cultural appropriation. Do you think it's cultural appropriation? Of course it is. Obviously it is. Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I think that it is. To do a day of the dead event in a nightclub in Copenhagen? Yes. It's nice. Maybe there was a Mexican there. You don't know. Maybe, but okay. No, but it's also fine. I'm just, I, I'm just raising the question. But I, it, there is also a big difference, and I think that's why it's interesting to talk to you because I have done a lot of party decorations and stuff, and I think there is quite a big difference to doing this like fine arts, whatever gallery world or art school art, and then doing like party art. Somehow. Yes, and yes, um, I stuck. When you're doing a party, the finish is something totally different. Exactly. You have to work with really big arm movements. Yes. Because uh, I have created things at home where I have been like for, 
you know, weeks been creating stuff on the floor at home and it had taken the whole space and it looks massive and yes. you bring it to a festival site and you bring it onto so this grass, yeah. onto this festival and it's tiny. And then it's just disappearing. And it's disappearing. And this thing you worked on for three weeks and it ate your whole living room. Yes. And suddenly it's like, what the fuck am I even supposed to do with it? It looks like nothing now. And then you have to cluster, I guess, like create a centerpiece of something because then something looks like more if it's just like gathered at least. Or yeah, I think that what what one of the things that I always do or what I have learned with from experience is that you don't necessarily need to cover the whole space. Mm. You need to collect what you have to really make an impact where you are. So you're really like giving, giving everything you have into one corner. It's better to make one really good corner instead of making three yeah. 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 corners because no one is going to take pictures of those corners or enjoy <laughs> those corners. No one's going to notice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But there is also like this content uh, or concept wise, there is a big difference because... If I'm in art school and I do something with Day of the Dead, oh, I be believe me, I'm going to be questioned about the cultural appropriation. But then again, in the, some party somewhere and everyone is drunk and they're just enjoying themselves. Yeah, nobody is like, you know, questioning the the art in the same way. It's not put under the same microscope as in a gallery as it would be. No, know? no, of course not. Super different, of course not. different context. So different. And I must say... I'm not political at all. I'm super naive Which is in my way to, to be like creative. I'm super childish. <laughs> if it looks good, it's good enough for me. It doesn't have to be a reason. But there is also like when doing visual arts, that is basically the only rule, right? Like that's what I learned with sound engineering back in, back in the day. Like there is no rule. If it sounds good, it is good. That's yes. mixing. And with visual stuff in this way for decorating uh, it's yeah when it's not concept based in this well of course it is because it's theme based but it's not concept based in the same way as explain it in like some uh, artistic research also paper. if it's tickling in the right places when you're mm -hmm. looking at it then you just know that you make something good mm -hmm. and if it feels a bit nah, when you look at it then you know, need to know that the process is not done yet mm -hmm. So, yeah, how do you know when you're done, when you're decked? Do you have a plan? You go into this kind of Halloween event, you have a plan of making these skeletons and stuff. But when do you know when it's done? When it's tickling in the right places. For example, with, for example, with the, with the skeletos, we started with just like with the classics, the hit, that is the classic kind of like to decorate a skull in day of the death kind of way with like flower patterns and stuff. flower patterns and those like geometrics so it's like you know yeah. the same on the sides and then like it's not done we need to do the body as well the body needs to be incorporated as well did it's you like, already have bodies or did you need to then go and get bodies no we had them we just started you know with you know cover the cover it in a base color and then we decorated the head and then we could just see that the body needs to go as well so then we dressed them up in the clothes they were supposed to wear and, you know, marked like, okay, we need to do something here because there were no reason for decorating it where the clothes would be because that would just be a waste of time since we were going to cover it up with another layer anyway. Then we could use, you know, like use the time on the parts that people actually could see. 
And then we just started, you know, slowly building up the layers and making it pop more and more. Hmm. So I think it's pretty much in the process. But, but the thing is also to trust yourself in the process. Sometimes I make stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. I just used a lot of material and this is not going to be any good. And a lot of time. And a lot of time. A lot of time. And this time cannot be bought back when you are in the week of production. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But then I must say, over the years, I've just learned myself to trust myself in the process and just keep on going. Yeah. Because if the first layer you put on of whatever it may be didn't work, then you just need to try another... You know, do another layer, do something else, add something more, take something away, put it in the corner for two days and work on something else. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, it needs uh, a week and then it's going to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have been helping you sometimes at parties. Yes. A few times I've been helping you decorate, being an assistant. And I remember standing one time in this super dark room, And the only light we had was this like a flashy LED pattern thing doing like some <laughs> green and purple like uh, dots here and there. And so I was just standing in this darkness, tossing like paint over some wood pieces. Uh, I couldn't see what I was doing. Obviously, everything was just like dark. Dark and like a party, but in a way... That was in the old aquarium in Hello. Exactly, that was yeah. in the old aquarium. But that was also how people was going to see it, you know? Like, they were going to see it in this kind of confusing light. <laughs> and in the dark anyway. So it's just like, yeah, whatever. Maybe a little, just splash some more paint. No one can see that we're spilling a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and they were going to tear the building down anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, my mom always said if there was something wrong with my clothes or something, I was on my way to a party as a kid. Or, and she would say, oh, don't worry. No one will notice that once the music is playing. And I think <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is what it is with these decorations and stuff. Like, people will never see the whole thing and they will never see the details. But they will, like... Uh, they will be so impressed because they don't know. And no one will know that. No one will know unless you tell them that you painted it in the dark. It's the same when you do mistakes. If you tell people, oh, you shouldn't look too closely. It's a bit, you know, it's not that good. But don't undersell your stuff. No one no one will ever know that you should just oversell it. Yes, it's perfect. It was the best process ever because <laughs> no one will ever fucking know. You are the only one to know that it should maybe have gone in another direction. Mm -hmm. But from the people who are looking at it, For them, it's perfect because they don't know the original plan. No, and I like when the audience is having a blast and are like intoxicated and just like having a wild time because uh, they are their attention span is really short. Like in a festival, a lot is happening, but they're also ready for anything. Yes, like whatever they stumble upon, yes. they will be like, I've done a lot of interactive installations, just like making these installations that people could be in or interact with. And it's so nice because you catch the right people at the right time and they will spend the whole night there. And they will think it's the best thing this festival had to offer was yeah. just one installation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that is just quite amazing. <laughs> yes, it is. I remember a few years at a festival here in Copenhagen called Carousel, mm -hmm. where I sold them this kind of 
project that I tested a little bit with another party crew called CPH Deep. And the whole idea was kind of to take like a mirror ball and then instead of that blowing light on the mirror ball and then the mirror ball is blowing out the whole room with light, then to make it more intense. So I made a box around the disco ball. Mm. And I called that installation for disco intenso because when you let light put light on the light ball, all the shine the light ball is giving is now all of a sudden compressed into one square meter. So the light is just going crazy in there because it's reflecting back and forward on itself. But is it still hanging? Yes, it's if you if you imagine uh, as uh, a cubic meter in English. A cubic meter. A cubic meter, and in the it's one side is open, mm. and then in the middle they're singing a disco ball, and then you're putting light, or in this case a laser, shooting on the disco ball. Then the disco ball wants to get rid of all that shine, but the 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 cubic meter is wrapped in silver folio as well. So the light from the disco ball is shining onto the foil, but the foil is making the shine go back to the disco ball. So it's just like exploding disco in that meter. And I sold that installation to Carousel and being like, it's so cool and it's so wild, but actually never really tried it. And I didn't try it with laser. I tried it with some other lamps at a party and it looked fucking amazing. I was like, but this needs to be bigger, there need to be more. And I was like, you need to buy nine of them. And this is going to be so good. It's so good. <laughs> and I was just preparing it, you know, setting it up, me and my own little thing. Put it, I was putting it, it was doing Corona. So the funny thing about that carousel was that there was an A section and a B section. There was the three, two same stages in the B section and the A section. And then they just swap the program so for example the headline on the main stage would perform first in section a and then afterwards in section b so you had like two parties next to each other to keep the audience like safer from each other's potential yeah, COVID or whatever, whatever something like rules about yeah uh, how many people rules you can about be. being together you know yeah rules about <laughs> being together okay so you had to decorate two parties then yes so i did like one in section a and one in section b and i was going there putting it up and everybody came by and there was like Okay, what is she doing? There's a lot of disco ball, there's a lot of boxes, and but it doesn't look like much. And I was just, it's just wait and see, wait and see. But I was knowing that, oh my God, I didn't, I really hope this will work. I really hope this will work. Let it work, let it work. Don't let it be a flop. Don't let it be a flop. And then when the laser guy came, the party was already on, but we was waiting for it to get dark before we wanted to you know, turn it on because we wanted to be a blast when it was turned on. So we were standing there in the dark with the laser guy, crossing just fingers. crossing my fingers and being like... And then he put the laser on the... There was like four boxes hanging in the trees. And it worked. And it was just like fucking exploding plastic and glitter in the same time. Because what I didn't know was that when that folio that I wrapped the boxes in... I didn't know that the light was actually able to go through it. 
So you had that intense disco feeling in the box, yeah. and then like a glow on the outside. And they, they were like reflecting on each other as well. So it was just, it was just crazy. And I was just finding myself standing there screaming and jumping and being like, oh my God, that's the prettiest thing I've ever made. And I could see the guys from Carousel being like, okay. Is this the first time you see this? <laughs> no, no, no. No, I've seen it many times before, but it's equally amazing every time. Yes, <laughs> I always get this excited when they turn on the laser. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, okay. I once tested my own, uh, built a sculpture test, and it was so beautiful, I almost cried. I just sat there and looked at my own sculpture test, and I just almost cried alone in my studio at night, because it was so wonderful. <laughs> So I understand the feeling, um, which is an amazing thing. If you can be so excited about your own work, it's worth it. Yes, it and is. you did create like you invented a mirror ball visual feedback loop system. Yes, which is also quite impressive. But did yes. you ever actually burn your fingers like this, where you said, "Oh my God, I didn't really test it. It could have gone so wrong." Did I you ever make real mistakes? No. No. I think I'm so I'm trusting so much in the process. And I'm always, you know, going by kind of like make it till you fake it kind of thing. Because as I said before, if people don't know that it went wrong, then it doesn't went wrong. Then it just no, came no. out different. And but yeah, but then again, after I started doing more corporate work, that's an, that's another thing because they are like it's it's just different. Mm. It's different working with corporate and working with you know bigger budgets like that. When you work in the underground, the budgets are so small and you don't really get paid. You get paid, but you don't really get paid. Often you don't get paid. <laughs> you get you, you get paid so you can take a taxi home. Yeah, and yeah, maybe I mean, it's like you might have your budget covered or the transport, but it's it's not that often that I have an actual like. Salary it's not something you can enough. get food on the table or pay. No, exactly. It's it's um, it's moderate. But that's the thing, when you work with the corporate things, you're actually starting to, you know, like work with real money and get paid for your job because because they see it as... When you can mix your creative skills with trade marketing, then for me, at least, I figure out a way how I can live of my... Be, live of being creative and love what I do and make crazy silly things into trade marketing and make those marketing bosses jump around in the office being like, oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> Can you explain to those of the listeners uh, who I assume are quite a lot who don't know what trade marketing means? Trade marketing is when you, when you, when you brand a product mm -hmm. in a different, in a, brand a product in a setting. So, for example, I did a, I did some signs for a club concept called Club Sort, Club Black okay. in Danish. And there is this energy drink called Faxe Conti Booster okay. yeah. in Denmark. Mm -hmm. And 
one and a half year ago, they made a club edition called Sort, which is black in Danish. Mm -hmm. And they dis there is a pretty much like what should you do? Uh, a DJ duo called Too Many Left Hands here in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. which is like kind of like local superheroes or whatever. But they made one of the guys from that GJ duo. He made a club called Sort, sponsored by the energy drink Sort. Mm -hmm. And they called and asked if I could do some decoration due to that party. And I decided to do a LED sign out of old cans from that specific energy, energy drink. drink can, <laughs> okay. which is black. Okay, so you just gathered a lot of these energy drinks. Did you have to gather them themselves? No, or did you just call they, them came, up? they came with them. Okay. But the thing that, the really annoying part about that is that cans get the top on when they've been filled. Mm -hmm. So oh, all the cans that before. I got were filled with the energy drink so I pierced all the cans to get the the liquids out because I wanted the top to be sealed and nice. Ah, oh, so you had to, to just like spill all the drinks. Yes. <sighs> and actually the girl I was working with at that point, which is, which is like, it's a bit scary. She was the one to uh, to get all the liquid out of the cans. She got an elect allergic reaction. A week after we finished the project, the project, she opened one of those energy drinks and wanted to uh, to drink it, and she spilled it on her skin, and she fucking got a reaction to get it on her skin because she had had so much on her skin because it was literally there's gas in those energy drinks, so it's like you know shaking a soda and opening it. There was like energy drinks all over. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> How many cans did you have to empty? 300. And then you created a custom-made sign for this whole concept sponsored by, by all of these people and with all their names and everything. Yes. And this is trade marketing. That is trade marketing. And this is like a custom-made commissioned artwork that yes. you then sell. You, you create a commissioned piece and you sell it to yes. the the commission buyer yes okay and this is what you've been moving into now recently yes, yes. Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than just showing up like a few days before the party with half of like the story yeah. <laughs> okay let's paint some furniture <laughs> yes i'm actually starting to doing like you know working with sending a pitch yeah getting used to people contacting me and being like could you maybe put something together? We have someone who would actually want this or that. Mm -hmm. And then I sat down and be like, okay, what could I do? What could I do? And then you write, you you put, you write an actual pitch. Yeah. And what, how, what does that mean in your profession? Like, how does a pitch look? It's, uh, it's, that depends on how big it is. If it's like, for example, if it's to a nightclub, and for example, we, there's this nightclub in the city called Hive, mm -hmm. which is like one of the exclusive nightclubs because that's where the money is. 
They sell tables and bottles all night and it's really expensive, but it's really fun to do the decoration. And because they, they have money. Because they the have budget, money, so yeah. you actually have a budget and you actually get paid to do your stuff. And they're really happy. Oh, they're always so happy. I've been working a lot in there. They're always like, you know, oh my God, you're so good. You're the best. And, you know, all, always so nice and sweet. And, you know, not being pushy or angry. or Which what I, I actually think that sometimes... Is the experience in the underground because everyone is a bit overworked, but in the corporate world, people are not so overworked because there's a lot of people working there. So people are just working with what they're good at. I don't know if it's the truth, but you know, it's just an, just an, you know, something that I've been experiencing. And for example, doing their Halloween party, they're going for full decoration inside and outside at the entrance, and the staff are being, you know. Styled and decorated as well to fit the whole thing. yeah to fit the whole concept and you come up with the concept yes okay so you we did this concept for them we did like in uh, okay so you have to explain what you're holding up because uh, people can only listen they yes can't <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm holding an old piece of uh, cardboard yeah where it's... there is a sketch of like an uh, <coughs> Uh, a, a yellow uh, triangle, where, which the triangle you kind of known from places where you should, you know, watch out. Yeah, it's like a warning sign triangle yes. with a skull, and then it has the name of the nightclub. Yes, exactly. And you just drew this quickly. This is like a quick sketch. Yes, this is not me actually who draw this. This is Ida. Okay, who draw this? But, but we worked on the concept together, and then. We decided that we wanted to do, they wanted to us to do something, They I think they called it the haunted hive. Mm. And we changed it into, instead of making a horror house, we made it into like that there was uh, a toxic thing going on in there. Was it also for Halloween? Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's really, it's really getting big. Yeah. And then... We made all these. I don't know if I have anything left of them, but we made a lot of poo scum. Do you know what that is? Ah, uh, so it's like uh, insulation foam. Yes. Yeah. So and it uh, it's foam when it comes out of the can, but then it hardens and it becomes this like yellow, toxic-looking, uh, hard plastic foam. And then we painted it with neon green, and we made a lot of those big, big triangle signs hanging from the ceilings with all these warnings on so like there had been a massive chemical slip yes uh, exactly. in the whole nightclub and then there was like hanging bags with body parts and blood of course fake blood in all the corners and there was hanging we made this like when you commit a like real crime and you know wrap the person in plastic bags and tape we made twenties of those hanging in like real rope. It was, it was, it was really creepy. And then we made I think ten or twelve men in yellow plastic suits with rubber boots on and green um, gloves, and then horror masks that the face has been totally ruined with acid and 
stuff coming out of the eyes. Were they also just decorations? Or yes. They? Okay. <laughs> decorations hanging down from the ceiling, coming out behind the door. And, and yeah. then what was the staff wearing to fit in? They were atomic babes. Okay. Yeah. So they were having like neon fishnet bodysuits on, yellow glasses, really high ponytails, and some big belts. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Right. Because the staff at the, the, the it's so funny because the staff at those parties is also providing what we call. In the dungeon, we call it the bottle, the bottle service. Mm -hmm. So when you're in these nightclubs, buying those expensive tables, you are when you then order bottles because you don't order drinks, you order like big bottles for then, the whole table. Then these fancy girls, which in, at this party we decorated them into these atomic vapes, are coming out with these bottles with lights in. And the uh, fireworks in and bringing the, and you know I mean it do is, they always do that yes and it's, it's not just for Halloween no it's fucking hilarious you would love it it's so funny and then they're doing this dance with the arms with the bottles and it's so funny because no matter what kind of bottle club you go into the bottle dance is the same it's not like they have you know like a special one it's all the same it's very cheesy yes very much. Very much. But this is what you can pay for if you are like white collar type person when you go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't. If, really it, go... It's it's if you ran out of ideas for what you can use your money and then you can always <laughs> buy the cheesy bottle show. <laughs> I mean, I never really go to these nightclubs. I have been to Hive, this nightclub we talk about, but it's. It's not really my scene, these places. No, it's not my scene in my private life at all. I would never go there But do you go life. to these parties that you decorate? Yes, of course, because I need to see how people react on what I do. Okay, yeah. So if you decorate a party, you almost always go? I don't stay till the end, but I no. always stay a few hours, of course, to document mm. my own things. I find it real hard to find photographers which is photographing my things in the way I want them to be photographed. Yeah, but I think that's very normal that as an artist you you know how you want your stuff to look. So Yeah. But so, it's a lot when you have to also document your own things. It, yes. it is a lot. Yes, and sometimes I, you know, I don't. I forget. Yeah. Because if I'm also working the party and I'm doing everything, I could have done a whole festival where I forget to take a single photo of anything I did because yeah. I was also doing lights there or whatever. Or I know that main, feeling. Maintaining installations while it was running. Yeah. And fixing stuff halfway because it fell down. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I went to a festival this summer called the Den Free Erfauri, the Free and Colorful where I had that really funny chance to decorate a container with old Henrik Wipsgaard installations. So I just had a bunch of old installation stuff from this really well-known artist. And I decorated a whole container with it. I decorated and, uh, you know, like a coffee shop. So, you know, and I didn't take any pictures. No. 
I took a picture of the process and posted it on my Instagram. Look how, how lucky I am, what I got to work with. And then when I came home, people were like, what, can we see some of that uh, stuff you did? Not really. Yeah. Because then I finished and then I got drunk. Yeah. And then I didn't really have the time <laughs> to photograph. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean, this is the crux of the whole, that you have to be so many positions, that you have to not only do the work, you also have to document the work, you have to advertise the work beforehand and during and after, you have to create your own brand, and you have to like run the social media presence, and it's just a lot to keep, to be on top of so many different positions. Yes. It's like, no wonder we forget things along the way. No. Exactly. But I, I, it's so funny because until I started doing more corporate things, I was so aware of that. I need to, you know, I need to do my social media. I need to post when I'm doing stuff. But now it doesn't really matter. Because the people who are hiring me are hiring me because of what I'm known for doing. They already know your They name. already know. Yeah, they know your brand. So they never really ask, what have you been doing before? Because they already know. Either they heard from a friend who was working in another nightclub or working at another event. Or they saw it and... Or they saw it. And then the other thing with that, for example, work uh, making those uh, signs mm -hmm. for that club sort. They paid for the they paid very well for the project. So I don't really, you know it has already been set off. I don't need to, you know, I'm not gonna sell it or whatever to someone else because that idea has already been sold. So the so the reason for doing the social media, for putting yourself out there for people to see it, does not really have the same impact anymore. No, but also you spent 13 years establishing Foama as a brand. Yeah. So, I mean, you have done your, you paid your dues and you've yes. done the legwork of things. Um, it's about time, no, that it's, that you don't have to uh, advertise it in this way. Yeah, true, maybe, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a bit weird because then, for example, the, during the Christmas holiday, they were using the signs again. Hmm? And the deal is that I am the beholder of the signs. Oh. So every time they need them to be put up, I'm the one putting them up, and they're paying me every time I put because them up. Because your look. Because it's I made the signs. Yeah, yeah. No one else should put them up. I'm so, the, so they own them, but you own the right to display them. Yes, they can display them without me. Uh, but they actually own them, like physically. Yes. Uh, so do you get like a commission every time, or yes. do you just? So you don't just get the, the salary for coming and hanging them. You also get like an extra display commission every time. Yeah, but the 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 salary for hanging them up is the, covering that. Is covering that. Okay, but still, that's quite nice, huh? Yeah. And so you seem busy now. All these Halloween parties are they happening in the same time? Is it the same year that we're talking about yes. this Day of the Dead and the Toxic Outlet and yes. So how do you manage to do multiple parties at the same time and also be there and... Everything is planned 
down to the last detail. Mm. Everything is made before. You, I don't. Before I could easily stand in the location building something. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. We, me and Ida call it plug and play. We make everything ready mm-hmm. and pack everything down, and then we have like an almost a plan for where everything could be. But sometimes you get ideas, you know, when you're there and seeing how it's actually looking when it's up there. But you go beforehand and you look at the space and you talk in the space and do you and make, we do a sketch of where sketches. we think yeah. it should be. Do you so make just like hand sketches or in some software or we use the Adobe Pack? Okay, mostly. Ida has brought a really good technique for us to sketch into kind of like our work relationships where we are doing pictures and then we are sketching directly on the pictures mm. because let's make it real easy. Then we don't need to draw much and it's easily also to present to the customer Yeah, for them to see, okay, this is somehow it will look. Yeah. yeah. And so then you build here in the space we're in now. Yeah. This is what... Uh, 15 square meters or something? 20, I think. Is this big? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and But then you also have these uh, big uh, containers, storage spaces. Yes. Where you keep the big stuff. Where we keep the big stuff, yes. Yeah. And so if you need to build big, you build there. Yes. And then you just order transport for it and you fix it, everything in the club. Yes. So if you have like how many Halloween parties can you do in one year? Like we did two at the same night. So in the morning we set up the day and the day of the death and mm-hmm. in the afternoon we set up the other one. Okay, so you really have to stick to the schedule. Yes, and then actually the day after we took the Halloween party down on Sunday and then on Monday we put up a new concept in the same club because we were hired to do another party in there. But then if you want to like be there and document and see both parties, do you then like go to one party for one hour and then go to the other party? And That was actually how we did it. We were yeah, okay. r- running up and down. Okay. But and luckily Copenhagen is small yes. in the center of the city. It's <laughs> small so you can actually run f- between the venues. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Woohoo, hello, we here again. <laughs> yes. And how many, you are working with uh, Ida, but do you have more hands? Or you are not just the two of you making everything, no? We are producing everything, yes. Okay, so you're creating like or building everything beforehand, but do you have people to help uh, install it? Yes. And to take it down? Yes. Okay. Yes, we have, uh, I have one guy I use a lot, and then he has started to bring a friend. Mm. And then we have... Uh, intern actually mm-hmm. which is coming to help us a lot mm-hmm. which is like a young girl who really likes the you know the idea of doing all these concepts setting and she's really interesting and so she's just doing it you know to kind of to know the business and mm-hmm. to how it's actually been done yeah. yeah because it is also one of these like secret jobs no it's uh I think that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast in this way. It's to look into what does it mean to work as an artist. It's not just in a gallery or, you know, this kind of uh, what we consider to be contemporary or classic art. Mm -hmm. It's also this stuff like, yeah, the people making the fucking decorations for your festival or your party, your nightclub stuff. Someone is coming up with that. Someone is trying out materials at home and like... It's also artwork, but it's it's a little bit hidden or well now maybe not so much because people know oh for Ama made it. But in other instances, 
it's a secret job. Yes. No one sees it. Yes. It happens when you're not looking. Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, so I understand an intro like that, but I also understand why it's interesting to tell people about it in a podcast like this. Is because how do you do that? How do you get a secret job, you know? Like, if it's not listed anywhere, it's not like you can apply for this job. No. Did you create it yourself? Yes. You decided you wanted this job and made it happen, or did it fall into your lap, or what No, it was pretty much a coincidence. 13 years ago, one of my friends asked me to, if I wanted to join him for a music video on a nightclub, where we had to dress up funky. And that happened to be Kenneth Bayer, the founder of Coma Club. And I had so much fun doing that music video. I was dressed up as a circus director, and it was so much fun. And at that, doing that music video, I was uh, introduced to this concept, Coma Club, and I was like, oh my God, this sounds fun. (laughs) Sounds like my playground. (laughs) And And then I asked, I just walked up to him and be like, so who is decorating this party? And he was like, no one. And I was like, okay, then I want to be that one. Did he, was he looking for someone? Or no. he had not planned to have decorations? No, they just, at, before that, they just kind of more, more or less did it chaotically on, you know, by themselves. Okay. And I was like, at that point, I was stuttering. I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. Oh. But I, at that point... Maybe I was a bit bored already. And I was like, okay, this this is fun. Then you can do like weird, funky concepts and just roll it out. Mm-hmm. And then I asked, can I be that one? And then he was like, have you done it before? No. But I think I'm going to be kick-ass good at it. And then he was like, okay, you can, ha- you can try. You can have this one. We're going to have a comeback at New Year's Eve. Later this year, you can decorate that. And if it's going well, then it's yours. And then it has been yours ever since. Yeah. And then it went (laughs) pretty well. And the day after, and the year after, I made, I think, the most iconic piece I've ever made. I made a full-size disco horse. You made the horse? Yes. Yes, of course you did. Okay, and it has become an icon of Coma Club in the later years. Yes. It really is a life-size horse, but it's plastic or what is it? Yeah, it's actually supposed to be a display horse from uh, like a a horse riding equipment stuff where you could display like a saddle or, you know, stuff for the horse. How did you get it? I don't know. Kenneth bought it for... Bought it somewhere. And then we covered it in in little pieces of uh, glass. Mirror Uh, mirror. mirror pieces. Yeah. Yeah, well... (laughs) and it's so funny because that horse here more than 10 years after is still giving me jobs you are you are the one who made the horse oh my god and people should know the you know the way we made it that was that was some kind of a project the horse came in three days before the party because it was delayed and we were doing it in a bit, in a really, real small studio here at Ama. With like glue guns or what? No, with the montage lean. Okay. Which is like just big glue guns, basically. Yeah, okay. 
but you need something, you know, because glue guns, the glue gets hard. And if you have a hard surface and you're gluing a hard surface onto it, then when you're using glue gun, it has the potential to break off mm. because it's not really, you know, it hasn't really anything to stick on. No, yeah, yeah, it needs a uh, surface uh... to grab. Yeah. And uh, yes, so we were like, I think we were more or less eight people working all over that horse, putting those little. And it was before it was the thing making these disco things. So we didn't knew that you could buy the glass mosaic. So we were cutting it ourselves. <gasps> no. So we were not even just putting it on. We were cutting like, you know, cutting, straight lines like of mirror. Not that easy. And then breaking it off into oh, no. smaller pieces. Yes. That's so much work. That was crazy. Because it's not so easy to cut glass. No. But if, I mean, in in so many ways, amphetamine can get handy. And that was one of the situations where it really became handy because we were, three of us were working like with no breaks for three days, just putting on mirrors, dude, 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 dude. Yeah, and that's how you do, actually, that is the whole thing about this installation or decoration work. It has to be so large scale that you end up going into this like factory mode of yes. just doing the same thing. I did a lot of like with CDs that I made holes in with this hole puncher yes. like, by hand. And then with cable ties, put them together and I created all these UFOs and lamps and like, uh, uh, f like long lines that could hang from the trees and I don't know it's just like so many CDs so many holes and I had blisters from just yes. like hand punching holes into all these CDs and I think I used maybe 2000 cable ties yes just, <laughs> I don't know it's really yeah fuck going into this like massive scale or something that you can't even you see yourself blind in the end you don't yes. know what you're doing anymore and you have to really keep track of if there's like specific numbers and stuff Yes, <laughs> yes, but it making the horse would actually, it was such a crazy process, but then in some way it was also just so inspiring because we were actually making the horse in a music studio. So there were some guys making music at the same While time we making the disco and horse. we were making the disco horse. <laughs> So it was just like, it, everything was just coming together, and when we were going a bit down, it was going slow, they made the music, you know, go higher in the beat, and then we started working faster. Oh, wow. So it was just like... Such it, a symbiosis. Yes, very much. Wow, that's nice. Yes. <laughs> so, but then do you ever feel like you run out of inspiration and concepts? Like, if no one asks for something with cues or something specific, if it's just all the time that you have to come up with yet another thing, do you feel like you recycle and repeat a lot or do you try to always come up with new? Mm, not necessarily. I think I like to explore material a lot. Okay. So, for example, I've been working a lot with folio, mm -hmm. both things though, you know, tassels, curtains. So, like different types of like of plastic foil? Yes, mm -hmm. both the ones that you have from, you know, from your, when you have that little box in your car when you're in accident. 
you can have that one which is also in folio ah, to wrap around you. Yeah, yeah, just like insulation for a thing that this golden silver thing that you can yes and it's the most wonderful material in the world yes it's this like emergency blanket yes yeah i really love it as well i've been working <laughs> so much with that i've been covering like whole rooms containers been wrapping just wrapping it around stuff yeah, and I really it like looks it good well. when you straight it out. It looks good when you're curling it together. I mean, I do not see how it can be very nice to use as an emergency blanket because it's super thin and it's supposed to warm you, but it's really noisy. And I don't know, like as an emergency item, I never really saw why this was a good invention. But as an art object, as an art material is wonderful. Actually, I have it. I have something over oh, here. We can hear it. We can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. Maybe it's just really, really, really. It would be so funny if I could show you one of those pieces. Yeah. I've made boxes out of it. But I really don't know where it is. I have so much stuff in here. In layers, you know. <laughs> yeah, there are some plastic flowers and a little... Uh, uh, what is it called? The little... Uh, it's, it's not a guitar. It's a... Ukulele! <laughs> a little turquoise uh, pineapple ukulele. Okay, it's fine. But the thing is that actually the, the I experienced that that foil material is so fragile. Yeah, it is. It really easily rips. But then I found a technique, which I'm not going to spoil in this podcast. Yeah, don't, share, don't share your tips. But I found a way to make it last. Or but still keep the same velocity? Yes. Because oh. I found out that it's something with the edge to do. Also with those curtains that, you know, that many people, where you put one in front of your door when it's New Year, and then you can go through all these uh, foil yeah, tassels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver fringes. Yes, you can have, they are, you can have, they're available in so many colors. But they're really fragile as well. Mm. But I found out a way, so I actually can reuse them. And that is the cool thing about really diving into a, a material and just keep on using it and trying new things and you know then you're doing one project with that kind of material and then that project is leading you to another project hmm. and that is pretty much where i think you get the, like or where i get the most inspiring working in the projects that's where the ideas for the ne next project is coming up or to make Maybe you do a small project and then you kind of like, oh my God, this could go big. I could do like this big, 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 big thing. Hmm. And then all of a sudden a small project turned into something else. And also just this interesting process of the repetition and working with one material, just slaving through it that you become so familiar with it. Yes. That you really, like you say, you know exactly how fragile something is. I know exactly with the CDs and the cable ties how much um, tension the CDs can handle with how many holes in and stuff before they break. Yes. Because they do break at one point, but I 
could create all these like very intricate sculpture figures of them because I really got a feeling for how much can you actually force them and just something like cable ties wow you become weirdly familiar with it when you have like stripped about 2000 of them yes yes exactly and it's not like maybe this knowledge will be useful later like yeah if you continue working with something or maybe it will just be this weird stage of your mind that you're like yes at one point I became familiar with cable ties (laughs) (laughs) also because when you I think when you're doing decoration as you said before where you kind of like spend three weeks in your living room constructing something and you think okay this is big and then when it's going into like a you know like a building where you're having a party or a festival then everything turns so small yeah because it's very large scale and there's yeah. a lot of items in the space and a lot yeah. of things happening yeah and especially for example if you warehouse parties i've been decorating a lot of warehouse parties where the ceiling is often so high so you have this massive space you need to fill out with something otherwise it's just going to look Weird. Well, obviously, there's also going to be lights and everything, but still. And the best thing is if the decorations and the set design and the lights and stuff can work together. Yes. Do you work a lot with these other production roles? Because, I mean, obviously, setting up a big party is like, it, it's a lot of production. It's a lot of different positions working together and everyone come and they do their little, like, um, expertise of things. Yes. So you have the sound person and the light person and the visuals maybe and then you have the decorator and all of these are like creative crew yes Uh, but do you work together with the rest of the creative team on things or do you is it very separate Mm, i think it's it's different from project to project but uh, on 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 in in some ways or in some projects we work together, but in some projects, the creative team meets each other on the day at the location where it's like, okay, I did this decoration, you did this slide, and blah, 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 so on. But sometimes it's actually pretty hard because, no, I don't think so, because the light is going to be this way. Mm. And then, for example, if I go you know, into discussion being like, yeah, but maybe we could try to work together so if your light was pointing on my decoration, then the light and, for example, the decoration could play together. And then when it plays together with the music, then it's going to be a symbiosis. So it's all, you know, it's all going to be joined. Like we made the same party and not different ones. Yes, exactly. But sometimes it's really hard. Mm, because everyone is an artist in their own field. Yes, yeah, uh, I do think that's one of the harder parts about um, working some of these jobs that I have had is that when you are like the light technician or something, you are, you have to remember, you are the technician. You're not the artist on the stage. The artist on the stage is the band or something. And even though like what they ask for is not very good, because maybe it's not, they don't have the visual competence or whatever. They think something will look good, but they can't see it. Mm-mm. But you have to remember that you're the technician and not the artist and not like just have your own vision overrule and find this balance of trying to communicate that in a way so that people are persuaded. And I like to do larger productions where you work in a team with people, but it's also frustrating sometimes because you have to like... Uh, acknowledge that you're 
your role is not crucial necessarily, or you're just one of many people who are all important. Yes. And every artist has a little has a little star something going on, and that's what makes it difficult sometimes. Well, obviously, we come there with our hard-earned like creations, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I can I I myself can get really angry if I don't get it as I want. Mm-hmm. But that's because also I get angry at at you know at the whole thing. Let's do this together instead of I'm doing decoration, you're doing light, you're doing whatever, mm-hmm. something else, production on site. If we work together, then we will get a you know better output. But that's sometimes really hard. Do you? Okay, so you're very particular with how you want it because my experience working with you has always been that you're very laissez-faire, and I was I've been like, what should I do with these things? Just you know, hang the way you want to, whatever you think looks good. And I'm like, oh, okay, I will just do something then. <laughs> but that that's I actually still like to work that way because I think, especially when you are in in some of the jobs I have, I have the privilege to work with hands, which means that people come in and work for free. <laughs> and I think from myself, I have been working on projects where I was working for free. And then to keep it fun and keep it motivated, people at some point need to get some time where they can be the creative mastermind. Yeah, they need to take to take a little bit agency. Of yes, the and to feel that they actually did something with it. That so they, of course, I point them in a direction, and I go over and I say, okay, this is maybe not the best. Maybe we could try to take it a bit more this way, and maybe try to you know, f- lead them into what the main vision with, for example, the decoration could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's working pretty well. Because then people actually feel that they contribute with something, not just that I told them, okay, this one is going to hang over there, this one is going to hang over here. Then instead, okay, we need to hang all this, for example, triangles. So you need to put them up so they're a little bit everywhere, and they need to be kind of like in a pattern, but with no pattern. <laughs> for example that's a classic yes. me saying so you need to make a system without a system because there can't be a system because then it's going to be really easy for people to see that we made a plan and we don't it want it to look to that look way like a coincidence like yes just like toss the bag like you just open the bag and toss things somewhere and they by coincidence like ended up in Places that were really like pleasing to your eye balance. Yes. Yeah, it it's... has to look uh, accidentally uh, perfect. Yes, exactly. Or uh, accidentally imperfect enough. Also, like a like there's something of this symmetry or not symmetry or balance or not. It's a really yeah. A it's really weird with those pearls that I'm sitting with here. That they they are glued on the thread. Is that normal? Yeah, I think that's quite normal. Why is that? Mm, maybe so that if one breaks, that it doesn't like fall off everything. It's really hard to put together. Oh, one just fell all the way over here. Oops. But yeah, it's funny to hear you explain about how you approach volunteers and stuff, considering that I have been in this role with you and like have been this person that you gave agency <laughs> to in the role. <laughs> So it's nice to have the 
the backside of the consideration. But that's true. I think that was a little bit what, what we did in the aquarium, that you had painted all these mannequins, like splashed them with neon-colored UV yes. black light paint. Yes. And then you just put me in front of this, like, massive pile of mannequins, and you were like, can you just, like, set them up somehow? Do something? Like, yes. we can just decorate with them. And then I made these, like, family album set up you remember with yes it's like uh, yes. like the big family album uh photo something. yes i remember and everyone was so happy and do like placing themselves self-inserting into the family yes. <laughs> and taking all these photos online yes <laughs> so it worked quite well yes it did and i think it's such it's just an imp, imp, it has always been for me an important part when i was do when i'm doing party decoration that i have fun doing it and I'm imagining how people will interact with the decoration doing the party. You tried to imagine that beforehand? Yes. Oh, okay. How it will work and how, you know, people will I made a a, a big wall piece out of old teddy bears mm. which I called the piece for the petting wall. Mm. And I made that because I was so annoyed. I remember it so clearly. I was going to a party and everybody was in this kind of like petting mood. Everybody wanted to touch everyone. And I was like, eh. <laughs> you don't need to touch me all the time, you know. Yeah. I was like, what's up with people and touching and, you know, being so like, oh, hello, who are you? I'm dancing. Yeah. I'm not talking right now. Then I thought, okay, maybe I could do some kind of piece where people could pet with it. So they don't need to pet with each other or pet on people who don't need to be want to be petted on. Do you recognize what I mean? Yeah. This touching thing going on. Yeah, Copenhagen is getting better now with all these safer space policies being uh, slowly adapted into the normalcy of like nightlife, but it has been a bad scene beforehand. There has been a lot of illicit uh, contact or like unso yes. unsolicited approaches. And like, yes. like you're saying, people who want to like chat you up in the dance floor and... Mm, yeah, well, and then I made this petting wall so people could go and pet with it. And did they did? They fucking did. That's nice. People went over and you know, talk because I got it from some uh, charity thing here in Denmark called Mother's Help, mm. and they get so many teddy bears, so they can't really sell them. They get so many from it's too much yeah. people who children who grow up and don't want their four bags of teddy bears anymore. So I was just week after week collecting bags with teddy bears. And then what happened is that when I was doing the, the petting wall, a lot of people came up to me and were like, because I was doing it on location, oh, I remember that one. That is from that uh, cartoon movie. Or, oh my God, that was my favorite, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, something is going on with this petting wall. Wow, how many teddy bears did you have there? It is one and a half meter in the height and it's three meter long. It's a lot. And where did you do that for? Uh, CPH deep. Okay, and is it a fixed installation there or was it just for one party? No, they we put it up a lot. 
like I think we had it up for six or seven parties or something like that. Wow. Yeah. And then every time we put it up in a different way because we did I did it in three panels. Yeah. So it could kind of hang together or it could be split it up or we used it one time we used it as the front for the pool and so on. But pe people really like to go up and touch it and tactile things are nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I have tried to work with like projecting video onto very tactile surfaces to see if I could get people to pet the video. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. <laughs> to to make people relate a little bit more to this very 2D surface. Uh so but have you been very disappointed any ever about any of your own work? Like you say, now we are having all these like funny success histories stories about like, oh yeah, this happened, that was really funny, and that worked how I imagined. But did you ever make something that you afterwards when it came up and you were like, nah, that was not my finest work? Mm, no. No? No, I don't think so. Because I think every as a when I look back, of course now with the experience and everything I have now, I could look back at some projects and think, Oh my god, what 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 were you doing? Yeah. But at at the time when I was making it, I didn't have all the experience that I have now. So I actually, no, I don't think so. But that's nice. No. It's a very successful career. Yes. <laughs> But maybe if you ask someone else, people would be like, yeah, I remember she did something sometimes that was not that good. But I think, no, all in total, most of the projects that I did were okay. I think my biggest mistakes with these kind of things is that you work on a really tight deadline with yes. productions like this. And so you tend to work a lot like immediately before. And so you're super exhausted when you actually hang it and install things and your eyes are not the sharpest. And Or maybe you run out of time even in the days before and you like one day before you the event, you have to just like give up on something that you spent three days on working on because... The materials are just not working with you, or yeah, uh, which happens, and that fucking sucks. I mean, I have yeah, I have definitely burned my fingers a little bit on some jobs where I have started experimenting with new materials way too late in the process. Yeah, I remember we talked about that yeah. the other day, but yeah, and I and I did that as well in my earlier years, but I know now that. You know that can't be done because then you're just gonna punish yourself in the end. Yeah, exactly. Because the amount of stress that you experience throughout, like this acceptance curve of, I'm gonna make it work. I'm gonna make it work, and then yeah. like I'm gonna try something else with it because the first thing didn't yes. work. I'm gonna run out and get new materials to try and salvage this thing because I've already put so much work into yes. it. So instead of just discarding it, you're like, oh no, I'm gonna spend more money and more time to try and salvage this one project because otherwise it's just wasted labor. Yeah. Uh, and then you spend even more days and even more materials and in the end it just doesn't get ready. It doesn't live up to the purpose or... And then you can just like beat your own head with that. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I should have accepted my defeat earlier and just done done something different. Yes, Or... that's that that's true. But I think that's 
Yeah, you live and learn. You don't do that too no, many times. No, After you've done it one or twice, once or twice, and you have gotten like a little bit embarrassed and very stressed out, and yeah, then the next time you play it more safe. I think at some at some point in my career, I also had to realize that I can be a bit addictive to my work because I'm so proud at what I do, and I'm. When it comes to my own stuff, I'm not a quitter. Mm. And my energy is never running out. It's just there. It's When I'm working, I'm, you know, if I have to work the whole night and the whole day after, I'm just doing it mm. with no doubts. And growing up, being, you know, more mature, having like a family life besides my career, I just had to realize that I need to plan my time better and plan my projects better because over time, when I'm working full time on this, I cannot, then at some point the energy will run out. Yeah. If I not, you know, structure when, when I do it and when I not do it. Or at least what you put into it versus what you actually like take out of it is just not equivalent. Yes. Exactly. And also, it's not healthy also to work that way. No. But I've, I've always find it really hard to quit on my projects. So if I'm first starting on something, then I'm really eager to see it done. And one of my, you know, one of my inside mistakes is that I can see the project finish before it is actually finished. So I can see, you know, how it's going to look, how it's going to work. And I think the road to coming there is so easy because I can already see how it's going to be up there and with lights yeah. and oh my God, this is going to be perfect. And then when I'm realizing, okay, but you have at least 24 hours before you're there. That is sometimes, that is a bitch because that is, you know, what you talked about. Then you're working against time. Mm. You know that some some things will be like maybe 20 hours of work. And there's uh, maybe 30 hours until the event will open. And that's not funny. That's not a fun way to work at no, all. No, and it's because some very mundane things and all these things, like, they just take time. Like, yes. all these handmade things and all these... Manual like, work is manual, a lot of Even work. if you just have to print photos and put them in frames or something, like, it takes time. It's yes. really, it's like, it's it's time-costly labor. Yes. Um, it, it really is. And people don't necessarily, they don't realize, they don't see how many hundreds of hours no. go into something hanging somewhere. <laughs> people who isn't work, used to working with manual production mm. have no clue how many hours you put into stuff. No clue at all. Is it really that expensive to get something like that? Uh, yes, it took me a week to make, so yes. And... Yeah, that is tough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have experienced that where people are like, oh, but you know, it's just a bit of decorations. It's not like it's some big uh, museum exhibition here. Are you really like charging for all those hours? Like, okay, but honestly, I don't think you realize like one of these 
balls are created or something. That is like 25 hours of work into yes. one of them. And there is like 30 of those hanging out there. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. In the, in the decoration or a creative art world, there are so many just tasks. Mm. But you can just... But can I now? Or you can just do it. If it's just... Then you can just go and do it yourself. Yeah. Yes, I think you should go and put it up right over there. It's such a good idea. Then I will continue on what I'm doing here. Go and knock yourself out, honey. Yeah. Then people are like, yeah. So it's not just that. No, okay. So yes, if we have time, I will put it up over there. Mm-hmm. But if not, it's going to hang where it is. So many justs. Just. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I once had one tell me, oh, that's a really nice idea what you did there. I might steal that for another thing. And I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh, I have heard that as well. Uh, yes. Thank you for the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but how do you feel that it is to always work in this like nightlife party thing? Because basically, okay, you do decorations for many different things, but a lot of it is for parties, right? A lot of it is working with crews that work in like... Everything is party and... Everything is party, yeah. yeah. How, how... No, is... actually not. I've made one thing who was not a party. Okay. One thing, which was super corporate. It was... Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, like a fair. Yeah, like a fair for Copenhagen Fintech. It can't be more... It's a large corporate industrial something. Things where yeah. you talk about money, banking, yeah. future things. Where It was where, for example, mobile pay were presented the first time, you know. So it's kind of like... It's very uninspiring. Yes, very much. How did you make something for that? Uh, they uh, wanted the exhibition area to have some oomph. Okay. To have some, you know, oomph. <laughs> so we better call Ama. Yes. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a friend who hooked me up. Okay, yeah. With it, yeah. And they were so, they booked me again for next year. And it was, let's just say, it was very well paid, so that was nice. Mm. And it was really fun to make. I came to work with the biggest plasma laser cutter in Europe which is pretty amazing it's a laser cutter who can cut in metal but really thick metal so we I designed some big ass metal signs and got them cut on that laser plasma cutter and that is pretty cool you know to get and work with you know stuff that you never thought that you should get your hands on because you would never have the budget to go and work mm-hmm. with stuff like that. And that is fun because now I know that it's there. And now I know, you know, that project paid for all the mistakes, all the design mistakes that where we had to go back and produce it again. And yeah, yeah. so now I have the experience to. Are they out? Mm-hmm. But now they're filled with something else. Yeah, uh, we you were drinking beers and the beers are out, but we have all these little uh, fruit flies or or something uh, flying around here, 
They have been living inside this. Uh... They're sucking out the all the creativeness out of the space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're living in our empty beer bottles. Yes. Um, but how do you think it is to build your career around like uh, working at parties or for parties or and with party people? Do you? Think you can just keep that going forever, or is it like, uh, mm, is there a time limit? No. Hmm. Once a party girl, always a party girl. Sure. And I'm I'm a party girl myself. I love a good party, and I think one of when you. When you decorate parties, or what we call it nowadays, do the atmosphere. Is that what it's called now? Yeah, atmosphere. In Danish, they called it atmosphere? Yeah. Funny. Okay, so now it's not called decoration anymore. No, I think there's like this kind of like decoration is more... Um, for example, if you have like a big main piece, or if you do a stage, or okay. if you do like a stage design or something like that. I think when you talk about atmosphere, you talk about, you know, for example, at festivals, the places where you hang out. You try to create some kind of atmosphere to want people to hang out in that specific area. And uh, I think it's... Uh, it's really an art to, you know, to predict and you need to know how people act at a party mm -hmm. to be able to actually make those little spaces where people, for example, as at a really hectical festival, it's so nice when there's these little secret spots where you can just go and sit and just have a break and, you know, just swallow a bit of all of that you have you know been consuming mm -hmm. during the festival and i think that's pretty much an art to know how to create and see the opportunities in venues or in festivals areas see the opportunities in what you can do with that specific area spatial understanding yes yeah definitely. so you get you know kind of get the room and the people mm -hmm. to interact Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that is for any nightclub or anything, right? That like a, an understanding of the spatial layout is really important. But but yes, I think that is also the, the key to successful decoration art or whatever is that, um, I don't know, for me, I've done it always like, I've done a lot of in-between, like that it's kind of artworks, but they're kind of installed in this setting so that they make sense for this party setting and they become interactive works or something. So there can be sound pieces there, but then it can be that people can discover them and like interactively listen to them or it becomes an experience. And yes. so, yeah, I think that is, that's why it's an, also a nice audience to work with because if you know how people maybe function or if you just can make something like open enough, like particular enough, but also open enough for mm -hmm. people to put, place themselves in it. Mm -hmm. I like that when people can add some of themselves to the experience and 
turn it into their own thing, then they add something else that I was not able to contribute with myself. Maybe. Yes. Actually, I think that is also such to work with decoration and installation in that way. It's also such a nice common to how, you know, the rest of our lives is formed because everything is so planned and everything is so thought through. Some things these days seems like when people are doing concepts, they are starting with a thought and building a concept around a thought. For example, I need to make this green concept. Mm. And that's the thing. Okay, but why? <sighs> it just needs to be green because everything needs to be green these days. And then the concept is, you know... You mean like uh, sustainable and uh, yeah. organic green. Yeah, sustainable. Yeah. And there's not no really, there's no purpose, there's no bigger meaning. So the, sometimes I get the feeling that the stories are pushed into the projects for the projects to have a meaning instead of, as you said, you do something and then doing the time where the installation or atmosphere whatever is out it's getting its own history by people interacting with it and actually taking part in it yeah yeah becomes relational aesthetics it's called in fancy art language what relational aesthetics okay yeah <laughs> but the audience is part of creating the work and the work would not exist on its own in like a painting would exist on its own in a storage space you know but uh, like interactive art and this relational aesthetics it does not exist on its own it only exists in the meeting with the audience and they co-created yeah okay yeah uh yeah in the art academy we learn to over conceptualize everything a lot <laughs> <laughs> it cannot just be pretty or funny, like, why did you make it like this? Because it was nice to look at. Like, no, it's often not enough. You have to, like, conceptualize it. Which I like from the decoration business and this background. It's like, why? Because I like to look at it. I just think it's so beautiful. And I think other people would also enjoy looking at it. And then sometimes other people end up conceptualizing something that you didn't. Like when I made all these CD UFO lamps and stuff and I hung them in a tree... And then one friend of mine said she had gone there in the nighttime in the party and she stood under these UFO CD lamps and I had these LED bulbs inside them that was changing the color so it was all very spacey. And then she had stood under there and she said, and I could just feel all the data from all the CDs just like shining onto me and I felt like I was enriched with all this old data that had been stored on all these CDs. <laughs> So, you know, someone totally conceptualizing your piece that was not so deep to start with. It was just actually CDs looking good in the tree. It just, you know, they're so shiny and beautiful. Yes. And I figured out that I could use them as building blocks like Lego. And then I could build all these like big UFO lamps and these molecule sculptures. And yeah, and I just thought that this, this holographic CD shine was the most beautiful and it worked in the daytime with the sunlight and then it worked nighttime with other lights and yeah you know because and it's such a good material there's so many cds out there 
Yeah, and I mean, but also another thing of working with this, like parties or especially if it's outdoor installations or festivals, it has to work like in all kinds of weather sometimes. Yes. And it has to work in the daytime and in the nighttime and still yes. be interesting. Yes. And it's such a lot of dogmas that you have to work with, but it makes it really interesting because you have a very concrete, um, like, framework somehow. Yes, that's true. You can really work with paper outside, for example. For instance, no. Or like you say, you have work with these like uh, insulation blankets, and then you only have been able to do that because you figured out how to make to make them endure longer time or more work. Because otherwise, you can't keep working with something that's so flimsy it breaks every time. It's no, just, no. You have to move stuff a lot. Decoration work is a lot of transport. It's a lot of moving around things in a really like heavy manual way and it's a lot of storing things and and every time you put something on a shelf and you take it out, you put it in the back of a van with other things, you take it out, it just it tears a little bit. It gets a little bit more scratchy, gets a little bit more worn out, <laughs> it might break on the way. I don't know. If do you agree? It's like Yes. yes. <laughs> It's not like conserving a painting in a an exhibition collection. They're very careful with things. You can't be that careful when you just have to like bring a whole van of stuff. Can we have been listening to these pearls a lot? Can you explain to the <laughs> listeners what are you making? Fuama has been sitting with this uh, um, styrofoam mannequin hat. Which has a really lovely face. It has really scary drawn <laughs> face. Uh, but yeah, so you've been sitting with this styrofoam mannequin head. Yes. And trying to create what? I want to create a wig out of these pearls. Okay. Or some kind of hat. Like or a some headpiece. kind of, I don't know, headpiece maybe, which could also turn into a face piece. A face piece. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so this is the, the sound we have been listening to the whole time is Fama like uh, creating art on the spot while we record. Oh wow. But I'm really I'm really disappointed that the pearls are glued onto the string. You thought you could pull them all off? Yes. Oh. I think it's very normal that it's like this. <laughs> but it gets it really hard actually to do something with them. Or you just you have to have some kind of like uh, another material to like fix them, you know, like uh, yeah. But the thing is, the space between the two no. is not that much. If you have little like jewelry pieces, like the little rings and stuff from jewelry stuff. Oh yes, maybe that could work actually. I think that could be a solution. Is this just for yourself or is it for a project? No, it was just, you know, to test something, just to do something. Mm -hmm. So, but do you think you often work like uh, uh, context-based? So do you work with the space that you're going to be in or the partners you have been hired from? Or like, what are your, uh, uh, how do you navigate? What do you mean? Can you ask in another way? Yeah. So when you have to come up with a theme, sometimes someone asks for a specific theme, but sometimes yes. they don't. And you just have to come up with something brand new mm -hmm. on your own. So then what? Do you go to the venue or do you look at the lineup or do you look at who hired you? Or like, what are your navigation points for figuring out where to start? Like, 
what to what would be right for this occasion. Do you think about the audience or um, so far in my career, I have the things that I've been hired to has been like so on point for my universe. Okay. So, so far. For example, I was hired to do a party for the British Tobacco British American Tobacco Company this year. Last year because now it's a new year. And they asked me to do a circus theme. And circus has always been one of my inspiration things. There's a, hanging a sketch there actually for a costume. That you made? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, there are more. Yeah, yeah. circus costumes. Oh. Yes. And um, and then, for for example, for this event, then they, they called me and asked, okay, we're going to do this event. We were, we were thinking we want to do something circus, something a bit circus mis uh, mysterious. And then we went into the location together. And then we walked around and the customers were ex explaining what they were thinking with the location. Mm. And then... After that, we moved into the second part where I, then when I do it like that, then I start pitching immediately. Then I start telling the customer, okay, we could maybe do this. We While you were walking around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We could maybe do this. Maybe we should work with the ceiling here, try to create something similar to the shape of a classic circus tent to get that. For That was what we did, did a circus tent inside of a nightclub. Because the ceiling was really high. And you know, then I just kind of really worked with the location. There was installed a really, really big rack ring in the ceiling. So that made it so obvious that we were going to use that big fucking ring to make some kind of circus top. As part of some kind of truss system? Yeah, or? exactly. Okay. But in a ring, instead yeah, of yeah. a square, which is normally is, then it was like a ring. So that was just pretty much, that was pretty easy. That came right to me. Of course, we're going to do a circus tent in here since you have that ring. And there was like, oh my God, we love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then we talked a bit more and that was pretty much the idea who sold that Okay. project. Yeah. So they knew they wanted something circus. You go there and you like uh, paint like visual ideas for them, which yes. is what we can do. These creative people that we are, we can uh, visualize stuff. Yes. And then you go home and do you write an actual pitch also? Yes. Then we write the pitch, write the offer, what the price is going to be. And for example, with this pitch, the budget that they came with already on the first day was like, okay, we love so many of their ideas. So we are going to go back to the actually company who's holding the party and ask for more money because you need a bigger budget for those ideas mm. i've never tried that before that was the first time but again that's pretty corporate british american tobacco company that's yeah, kind yeah. of house of prince that's that's a lot of commercial money right yeah. there but uh, it's nice when you give the money to make an inside circus tent that's pretty funny but otherwise would you have gone home and like estimated budgets and, yes. and like called vendors and stuff and then you would have called these people and said I can do it but I need more money yes yeah otherwise I would have scaled it down 
Yeah. Because that's also an art when you need to live of something. You cannot always go that extra mile for the customer because then you're gonna burn out in the end. Because you, if you go that, will go that mile, extra mile for everyone, then there's not gonna be anything left of yourself when the day is done. Oh, and also that's then that you set the bar very high for yourself, but also then people expect the bar to be set that high. And I don't know. It's just it's really. But a... that's. The, but I just come. I'm just. I. You know. I've come to the conclusion that people can get everything. They just just need to bring the money. Then they can get all the good stuff, all the glitter stuff, all the fancy stuff. <laughs> but as as we talked about, it's a lot of hours. Yeah. And when you make really big stuff, you I need to call people in to help. For example, installing it. Yeah. Install we the preparation for that circus tent. For example, we did. I think the preparation was was it three hours to prepare it, but it took ten hours to put it up. Mm. Three guys in ten hours. That's thirty hours. And then like. All the people driving the vans with the transport of the materials, and then the stuff that needs to be stored afterwards, and yes. cat like uh, archived and categorized in your storage space, and all of these hours are also part of the job when you strike a thing after. Do you call it striking also parties? Or a theater, you call it that you strike it afterwards when you take it down. You know, this is also part of the job. Yes. You have to go back to the venue. When you're super hungover or whatever, and you have oh, super to tired, super tired, and then you just have to deinstall this massive work that you just did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel sad in that time that like, oh my god, all these hours I've used and all this ten hours to install, and now I'm just taking it down already the day after? Um, after I got the the container. I'm getting better at it because, because now I actually stuff. have somewhere to put it and I have a system. What did you do before? Did you just toss it every time? Yeah. But it's like it's so wasteful somehow. Yeah, but um before I will say the the last 4 years of my career, I've been saving stuff. Hmm. Because that was also where I started to work more consistent with, for example, party crews, that CPHT party crew I've been working with. I was working with them for more than two years. Mm. So we worked, we was kind of like putting the same decoration up over and over again, but in new ways, adding more to the thing, you know, twisting it around, making it into something new. So you start building like a creative profile and some enduring uh, thing with different places or different people. Yes. Then it's nice. It also doesn't end every time. It can yes. get to like, uh, you can build onto something. Yes, exactly. It's the same with Coma Club. Yeah. With that, I in, it was me who kind of like brought in the whole thing with working with the color palette yeah. of neon pink and neon yellow. So that's the only things, only colors we use at Coma. That mm. is neon pink, neon yellow, black and white, and mirrors. Yeah. So that's pretty much the palette that we have. But we can go in all directions as long as we go with that palette. Because then we have like a big, big storage 
filled with things in those colors so then we can just mix everything yeah. and that's that's pretty nice for you know reusing stuff for sure but i mean yeah i'm now in this in this art school stuff so i've been doing a lot of more gallery things because it makes sense when you're in the art school and there are galleries that you can use and stuff but I remember having one beautiful sculpture I made and I was so happy with it but after three weeks in the gallery wow I was done with this sculpture like I had just looked at it so much and that is the beautiful thing about the party decorations it's very climactic it's this one working on one production and everything is just revolving around this one climax and then it's over mm -hmm. and yeah or I I guess like when you do theater or something that is more time limited as well I mean an exhibition is also <coughs> time limited but you just sit there if you invigilated an exhibition you just get to sit there with your work every day and for a few days is wonderful but in the end you're bored at looking at your own work or at least for me <laughs> I can be bored with it <laughs> But I think that's the cool thing about working more consistent with, for example, decoration projects that it's starting somewhere and then it's, you know, going on its own journey. And every time you put it up and every time you take it down, something is going on with the process. Then it's like when you cut something down, then it's hanging halfway down. Oh, it looks pretty good when it's hanging like that. Maybe I should hang it up <laughs> like that the next time, you know. Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's just... Thing is just happening. Oh. Doing, doing what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, do you ever have people telling, asking you like, Oh, this thing was amazing. Can we have that on another party? Or like, does that also happen that people come to you and say, What is this thing you made? Like, can we reuse it? Hmm... No, because the things that I make I, is personally made for someone who ordered it. Right. So it would be really weird if so, if something, for example, I made for Kuma Club, that someone else came and asked, can we have that? We really like those colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's also a fact that I can't really go out and make something yellow and pink for someone else. No. If someone else yeah. does it, it's fine. But I mean, it would be so untrue to the, to the you know, have been working with Koma so many years, then doing something pink and yellow for someone else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like cheating on the relationship. Yes. Yeah. It's the same with those, for example, signs that I made out of cans for Club Sort. I can't really do another can sign, for example, for Heineken. No. Because that will just be, you know, digging in on my, you know, own. Then I would be covering myself and then, okay, but that is also what you made with this other brand. And also they paid you to create like unique art for them. Exactly. In this way. So if you repeat it, it's Exactly, so then it's not so unique anymore. Yeah. And it's so funny because people who are not creative, they are a bit afraid that I'm going to run out of ideas. I remember that Kenneth telling me one time when I was starting, Kenneth the founder of Kuma Club, that he told me that when you started working with other people, at some point I really felt that you were cheating. Like, of course you were allowed to work with other people. This was kind of like always your dream 
to work with these, you know, big companies and really, you know, show the world that I can do this shit. But, but you know, that he really was sitting there with the feeling like, oh my God, she's getting another boyfriend she's now. She's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now all the good ideas is going for them. And then I kind of explained him like, but it's not like I'm running out. No, and and also it's it's different. Yes, yes, exactly. Like it's an different. open relationship, right? Yes. It's, yeah. like, it's not the same experiences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, otherwise someone would have to pay you to be their full-time fuama, right? And then that yes. would be it. That would be expensive. That would be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you work internationally as well, or is it only no, in Denmark? Only in Denmark. Do you feel like this kind of... Uh, you have carved out a shelf for yourself in an industry. Like, there are not that many people doing decorations like this. No. Uh, and putting a brand to their own uh, persona in this way. Do you think you could do it internationally? Or is it very uh, grounded in this that um, Denmark is a small place where a party industry is even smaller and we all know each other somehow because we all work within a niche? So... It, can you only carve out your own like uh, no no I definitely think that if that if I wanted to I think that I could go international mm. but I think that would also take a lot of me and it would take a lot of my family mm. if I w would want that I think it I have it's I would say a big dream but a small dream I think it would be since I am really a party girl I think it would be so nice to go for a pizza just for one season, mm -hmm. just to experience, just once. Sure. To go to one of those big clubs who can host like 20,000 people or something in one night mm. and just do a theme party there. Mm. Just once, just try it once. And then it's, that's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's a good dream. Yeah, it could be fun, you know, to work with one of those crazy big productions like Tomorrowland or something like that. That could be really fun. Oh, yeah. But I think it takes a lot. Yeah, because like you say, a lot of the jobs you get here, it's friends referring you or like it all stays in the family, right? So, yeah, I don't know. How do you then get these massive jobs? It's like... I think that it's I think that it's starting with going to work with those corporate brands. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm working on a pitch for Red Bull and I think that Red Bull thinks I'm interesting because that booster have been using me. Mm. So now Red Bull want to try it as well to see if they can get the same payoff as booster did. And yeah. I think that's pretty interesting if you can get people to dig on you like that, you know, like, ooh, everybody wants a piece with Fuama, that would be pretty funny. Yeah, wow, but why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? And Red Bull has a lot of money. Yes, and I and it's 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 not that it's you know, you know, it that it should always be about a lot of the money, but No, but they invest in large scale gimmick exactly. things that exactly. you know. Exactly, and that is what is funny and that is what makes it profitable. Mm. And I've been working a lot with people who have been working for free for me because they thought it was super fun 
to work on the projects and be on the locations, especially the festivals. People really like to come and be a part of the team there in mm. doing the build build up on the festivals. But it would also be super cool to do projects where you could actually invite the same people to do projects and say, and now it's not for free anymore. I love when I have a budget to hire people. Yeah, when exactly. I get a grant to have an event and I can actually pay people real salaries. Yes. I've had a few poetry events where I was lucky to get uh, coverage, like to get a fund funding for it, where I could pay people real salaries to come and be poets and do stuff and perform it's so nice to be able to tell people like you're gonna get a real like an actual salary yeah not just like a symbolic fee but yeah wow yeah something where you can actually pay rent I'm like but just like pay people decent money for their work it's really nice when it happens it's not so often unfortunately a lot of the events and stuff that i do <laughs> they're not really covered but <laughs> but sometimes you know, oh my <laughs> god I've been, I've been i've been working my ass off with oh my god for example coma clubs for the first many years i did coma club i didn't get paid for that i did it for free because i in some way i just knew that if i can do it with coma club then I can maybe make a name for myself. And, yeah. But, and also, it was a lot of hard work, I must say. It's a lot of hard work. But I I do think that Denmark and Copenhagen also function in this way, that you know the organizers and whatever, and so you're willing to work for, like, shitty salary or friend, like, favors, or because it go, what goes around comes around, you know. It's a little bit... And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's also a good way to get experienced. If you're moving into like a new area, then it's, for example, I've been doing some stuff with uh, a visual group called Hackstage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Michelle was the last uh, interview we did before this one. Oh! So, yeah. And uh, I've been doing free stuff for them because they work with some totally other things that I work with Mm -hmm. and that is that is interesting yeah and they also do similar to you that they fluctuate between super underground friend favors all everything just low-key and And then super corporate big corporate to pay the money yeah yeah Yeah, to be able to do that Uh, yeah because the truth is also uh, we don't have a budget often we do things with no budget we host the parties we set up the events and stuff and we do all this decoration work and often just we just literally work with no money, none of us. And it's this super underground niche uh, art stuff that I like off genres that doesn't pull a lot of people or whatever. It's just that's then everyone just does it because they like it or they have something to provide. But everyone kind of agrees that it couldn't happen if we didn't do it for free. <laughs> no, exactly. But actually, it it's funny because me and Michelle actually had a talk about, uh, <coughs> for example, doing festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last distortion, this uh, DJ Peggy Goo was playing. <coughs> she got more money to play a set for two hours than the whole hack stage did. To set up the whole stage for the whole weekend. I was there working. 
I was there with, and that is just working all... with them the whole weekend. And that is just, that is so weird. Yeah, we were like 10 people working the whole weekend in this and, one uh, one setup. And it, it that that is just, re- it makes no sense. I mean, no. Be, you know, if you want that like <laughs> And she was not that good. No, I mean, we were 10 people working like very long hours. Yeah. And it was the same with the... The other small stages, you know, like people has been working the ass off to set up that festival and the decoration atmosphere, budget, light, budget, whatever. They're just so small. And then your DJs or artists, the salary checks are just, or the DJ fees are so big. Yeah, I mean, I had a talk... And with, I, I, must, I must say, I think that's a problem. I had a talk with a friend about it recently because I had a de- DJ debut recently. Uh, so it was just a party at the school and someone asked me if I wanted to DJ. And I said, like, but I'm not a DJ, you know. And they're like, no, but we thought about you as a DJ for a party. So <laughs> I, yeah, you told me. Yeah, so I'm like, maybe it's not too late. <laughs> I will take my chance and finally rise and shine as a DJ. Uh Better late than never, right? Yes, yes. And I just did it because it was fun and friends asked me. And afterwards, I was told I got paid because there was a budget for this party. And I was like, wow, what? I get paid for doing this YouTube crack up for like two hours? That's so funny. But I got paid the same money for this one DJ gig. I paid. I played an, not even an hour, I think. It was really... <laughs> and I got paid the same as I get paid as a, for a whole night as a bartender. And I'm like, wow, how is that? I'm not even a DJ. I played YouTube for two hours. Or no, one hour. But I mean, but this it's so time limited and it was just for fun, whatever. And I still got the same money as I do standing on my feet a whole night behind the bar. Yeah. Listening to drunk people. That is insane, no? I mean, what? Why why did I not become a DJ earlier? And as a DJ, you also have the privilege to say, no, I don't brought that number today. Oh, yeah. Because they would not know that you were taking it all from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but really, yeah, I did have this talk with my friend recently. Like, why, why did we never make it as DJs? This seems like the best. I know that people pay, put a lot of hours into practicing and finding music. And I've done booking and stuff. So I know... It's a real fucking job to keep searching new tracks and looking up who are hot and what now and what who is who is hot and what who's hot and like what what new albums did people come out with and what could I book book them for and like it's real work I know it's just as real <laughs> just as real as all this we are doing but still yeah I don't know maybe performance is the way to go something where it's like. Go on the stage for one hour, and that's your contribu- contribution to the party. Not three days before, two days after. Yeah. <laughs> I have actually always been wanting to do performance art in some way, but I can never really figure out if I should do performance, what it should be. I just started. I just helped establish a new performance group in my school, and we are hosting performance events, and I am now also going to be a performance artist. What are you going to perform with? 
so I met last when we did this one event, I made a performance iteration of a photo book I did in 2017. So like um, basically pictures from my life from when I was bumming it around a lot and staying in, in a lot of other people's flats and stuff. And so all these like little detailed photos of, of places I was in. And then I hung them here on the walls and then with pretty lights and stuff. And then people could point to pictures they wanted to hear stories about. And then I told stories about these places. Oh. Yeah. So like an interactive performance. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I have done a bit of performance stuff before, but I like to make it interactive and I like to make it like a audience co-authored in a way. Yeah, somehow or that the audience is part of it. I think that's nice. I think we have been recording for a super long time. For actually. how long? I don't know. I think it's one of the really long episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a nice talk. It's going to be part one or part two. <laughs> um, well, this I don't really understand. Oh, okay. It might have gone to like a new... I don't know. I th I hope it's okay with the recording. It's it's still fairly new for me. This recorder. I can't see how long it is. It's just seven minutes, but I think it might have gone like over something, and I don't understand. I will check it after. Well, that would be amazing if we had done this whole thing and it didn't record it properly. No, but it did. But look, it's like, but no one touched it, so it should be fine. It seems like there's another time there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that cannot be true. No, we have not been sitting here for four hours. Okay, we got a little bit confused now with the technical stuff. But that is my job to uh, handle afterwards. So, but I do think we have talked for like... Well, it's like, it's almost 11, so... That's three hours. Well, two, two and, and a half. half. It's a really long episode. That was nice. Thank you, Fama. Is there You're anything welcome. that we have forgotten that you want to add or uh, no? You want to, no? No, I think we. I'm. I'm all good. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, I think it was really nice to accidentally catch you here in the. I mean, I don't really plan these things. I just. Well, yeah. I'm like, oh, do you have an exhibition? Should I come by and do a podcast episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've learned that I'm not so good at explaining to people what it is, actually. So sometimes I come out to people to do the podcast and they're like, what is it we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, I think maybe that's good because everything is so planned and thought out nowadays. And maybe the interviews get more real. That's what I'm hoping. Or more interesting. I'm hoping because that it's, it's just more immediate. Yeah. I mean, definitely also super Here and chaotic. Now. Super chaotic. And I afterwards, I always come home and I'm like, why didn't I ask this question? That would have been super interesting. But, yeah. I don't know. I basically just talk to people I already know. So it's very casual. Yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily, I never run out of creative friends. I just... I know so many people. That's nice to work creatively. So it's like, yeah, I think I can keep this going for a long time before I have to step up and be more like outsourced. And where you got when, where and when are you gonna release the podcast? Well, soon. And where I have been looking at some of these researching like online platforms. It's not exactly decided yet, but almost I think. 
because I don't really have money to pay for all these like fancy online platforms so I have to find a free one but then I also have such a large podcast already a lot of the free ones you can have very few episodes I already have a lot of episodes ready I just didn't put them out yet but soon I will start like clustering them out mm -hmm. but I have been recording for most of this year just but like I think that that's maybe also better for the process because then when you are starting releasing then you have you know stuff ready so it's not like there's coming another episode soon no and this whole the, the project started because i had long covid and i just was not able to work on a schedule or anything so it had to be a no deadline project so that's also if you set up this thing at the time when i started it i had this idea that i wanted to do online live radio every week but then i just realized i was not I could not commit myself to every week at a specific time. It was not possible for me at the time. Mm. And so with the podcast as well, if you have to like make a meaningful interview with someone every week to put it out immediately, I don't know. It's just, it works if you have a home studio and you just do something with yourself. But in this way that I go to people's places and we talk and it's just not always possible. Mm. So, but this was a lucky not so planned but then i ran into you and i thought oh by the way that would be really nice to talk to ama about making decorations yes nice it was nice to talk about it yeah okay so uh thank you to people listening do you have um, uh, some kind of website or instagram or something that you want people to be able to check out or yeah they can check out either they can check out my personal Uh, Instagram, which is just for Amma, of course, mm. and I also have a business uh, Instagram, which is called the Deco Darlings, which is what you call yourself with Ida down here in the dungeon. Yes, mm. yes, we decided to work under uh, a shared name because we are kind of like when we are working together. She started with assisting me, but now we're pretty much fifty fifty. And I don't, I don't felt that it was fair for her to put so much effort into, into work name. into my name. It didn't really felt good. And she's, a, she's, we have kind of like the same education, and she's also having a background in fashion. And she's just so, first of all, fucking likable. But she's really, really good at what she do, and really, really good in the process. And I just thought it was be more interesting for her also if she kind of was a part of the of the whole thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that sounds nice and fair yeah i think so too uh, okay well then i think we're just gonna end thanks for today thanks for today yes we don't really have a proper ending or beginning or anything it's still here in dungeon we always say see you on floor See you on floor? Yeah. yeah, sure. See you on floor, on the dance floor, for those who don't know what that means. Yeah. We always explain it very well to everyone because we have... I imagine I will have a broad uh, listening... Uh, what is it called in English? Crowd. Crowd, a broad crowd of listeners. So I always explain all the terms. That's good. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you for today. See you on floor. See you on the floor. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.